Welcome to the Planning Parent Podcast, where we talk to real parents and professionals about solutions and strategies to minimize the hustle and bustle that we parents face daily. This is a place where you will come to listen, learn, and share about all things parenting. I am your host, Krista Hermans. I am a busy mom to two little girls, a wife and estate planning attorney with a focus on families with minor children, an entrepreneur, scuba diver, and golf hobbyist. My passion is helping families create simplicity and bliss in their everyday lives. Welcome to our show. Today, I am joined by Sarah Moore. Sarah is an MFS, is the founder of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting and author of Peaceful Discipline, Story Teaching, Brain Science, and Better Behavior coming in 2022. She is a certified master trainer of conscious parenting and a lifelong learner with training in child development improv comedy, trauma recovery, and interpersonal neurobiology. Most importantly, she's a mama. She helps bring joy, ease, and connection back to families. And I love following her on Instagram. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. I truly appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Okay. So today we are going to be talking about anger management and feelings when we're talking about kids. Okay. So when it comes to anger management, and I will start by saying that I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, two little girls, and my five-year-old, who I talk about often on this podcast, because I feel like all of these things relate to her, she is my anger child, right? And she just she just has so much anger. I will preface by saying that, not in the anger that, you know, she's always out terrorizing things, but it's just like, it's her most common reaction to anything pertaining to anything that she doesn't like, right? So I I will start with that just so you kind of have an idea when I, when I ask you questions about it, that's why. So when it comes to anger management for kids, what are some intentional ways to help our children with their feelings? Such a good question. First thing that can be really, really helpful is figuring out what anger means to us as a parent. Many of us grew up believing that anger was a so-called bad or negative emotion. Many of us were not allowed to express our anger. If we did express our anger, we were usually told to squelch it in some way. We were told to keep it to ourselves or find some other outlet for it. Similarly, many of our caregivers expressed their anger in ways that did not feel peaceful to us while we were growing up. So many of us have this sort of fearful, negative association with anger. In truth, however, in intentional parenting, we view anger as a gift. Anger is a messenger, and it's here to tell us something. Anger is here to help us because usually it rises up in our bodies or in our children's bodies if there is either a boundary that has been crossed or a boundary that doesn't exist, that we suddenly realize, oh, I think I really need a boundary here. And when the anger comes up, it's here to help create safety within our bodies and within our children's bodies. So rather than running from it, squelching it, getting away from this quote-unquote negative emotion, instead, when it rises up, and this is true for adults and children, we can say, wow, anger, I am so glad you showed up. You're here to tell me something. What's my underlying need that needs to be met so that we can make peace with whatever situation we're running into right now? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you mentioned boundaries, 
which is which is an interesting way to look at it. So if we see that there is this anger that's coming up, how do we know to create that boundary? How do we do that for them? Yeah, absolutely. So first thing we can do is simply notice the anger is here. It's pretty hard to miss, right? When we feel angry, we know it's coming up in our bodies. And similarly, when our child starts to get angry, that's hard to miss too. Wow, they're exploding. They're melting down. They're whatever. They're expressing this big feeling. And it's pretty much like a semi-truck. It's very, very hard to miss it when it's coming at us. So first thing we can do is acknowledge, all right, it's here. And this is a great pausing point to stop and figure out what is it that we need to learn as its message right now. Once we decipher exactly what you said, huh, I think we need a boundary here. The traditional non-intentional parenting method, if you will, is to say, I am the parent, I know best, I need to create a rule, and my child needs to follow that rule, and then I, you know, clap my hands and it's done and life is grand. That's actually not true. If anything, we can add fuel to the fire if we come in with this authoritarian, I'm in control of you approach. Mm-hmm. Instead, what typically works much better is to first of all, just let the anger be. Let the child get their anger out. Let the child express their anger. You can find healthy ways yourself as the adult to express and model what healthy anger expression looks like so your kids can learn from that. Once you are at a place where the big hurricane has passed, the big anger storm has passed, now is a better time to start problem solving. We never want to come up with boundaries when we are actively livid because we will end up creating rules that nobody likes. And then we feel like, oh, well, I'm the parent. I need to follow through. That is one of the biggest myths there is in parenting. We don't need to follow through just because we said we would. In fact, it can model great emotional regulation for our children if we can be strong enough to say, I said something I didn't mean when I was angry, and I would like a do-over with that. But coming back to your boundaries question, Once we are back in that calm place together, one of my favorite things to say is we have to remember that it's not us versus our child, it's us and our child versus the problem we want to solve. That distance between our relationship right here and the problem over there, the boundary is somewhere in between us and the problem. But when we can look at the problem objectively, and say, I see a problem over there, and I would love to work with you to find a solution that works for both of us. That is a great way to be intentional about setting a boundary that, number one, hopefully, especially if your child is old enough, they've contributed to the formation of the boundary because we all, human nature, we all believe we're brilliant. And if the child feels like, hey, I had some say in what this new thing is going to be, they are much more likely to buy into it and to follow through with it, which means that you as the parent can do much less policing because it turns into more of an agreement rather than an an adult-imposed rule where the child simply feels controlled and potentially even more angry than they did for starters. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, if you are enjoying our show, please make sure to subscribe to the Planning Parent podcast and join our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, where we share resources, you can interact with our guests, you can share your experiences, and be part of our parenting community. Now back to our show. Okay. Can you give me an example of how this would play out in something that you've seen where there is an, a specific situation where there's anger, the type of anger, and then how that boundary is created so that maybe we can give some visuals to people listening of maybe how they can apply it in their life? Yeah, absolutely. I will magically, coincidentally, take a scenario where there's a five-year-old and what the heck, I'll make it a female, five-year-old girl. And let's pretend that she has strewn her toys all over the floor and it's tripping hazards. It's just, you know, companies coming in five minutes and suddenly it's panic mode for mama or daddy or caregiver, whoever happens to be there, hypothetically. And the adult comes in and says, oh, we need a rule here. You can't make a mess of the room when somebody's about to come over. So... I need you to clean up this stuff right now. The child starts to get angry. And next thing you know, not only do you have a mess on the floor, you have an emotional mess unfolding in front of you. And no child in their right mind is going to say, oh, while I'm having this big emotional release, sure, I'll get right on cleaning up my toys too. That's just not going to happen. That's a no-win situation. So much better in this moment is to stop and observe Sit down with your child. If you can, get eye level with them. If they're receptive to it, rub them on the back. Find some way to connect first and say, hey, I noticed that there's a bunch of stuff out on the ground. And first of all, you validate. I noticed how much fun you were having playing with those toys. I want to make sure that you get another chance to play with those again really soon because, yeah, they're amazing. When you stop and validate, the child feels like, oh, they get me. This isn't, you know, an attack. This is validation that what I'm doing is important work. From there, you can proceed in co-creating a boundary. And let's bring it back to what your real worry is. I am worried that when so-and-so comes over for dinner in five minutes, Number one, they might trip and fall down. Or number two, you know, I don't want them to accidentally, you know, break a toy if it's on the floor. And I don't say that to scare the child. I'm sharing whatever my real concern might be. So make it legitimate, make it authentic. And you can say, I wonder what we can do about this. Well, by five already, you might have a child who does any number of things. It might be, oh, okay, let's get them off the floor because I want to protect the toys. So you might have a child who dives in to solve the problem themselves. You have then created a boundary, but you've done it in a loving and validating way. You might have a child who says, ooh, panic, I don't know what to do here. So you then might get playful and say, I have an idea. Let's drive all these trucks back to the parking lot. Let's walk all these dolls over to their beds. And you simply engage them in play because that is how the five-year-old brain works. And it becomes fun, even though you know it's cleaning, but for them it's play. Or you might have a child who says, I don't want to do it. At which point you say, I understand. Sometimes it's hard to clean up our stuff. Again, it's validating while still holding the boundary. The stuff needs to get cleaned up. But tell you what, how about if I help you or how about if I do it and I'll help you out this time? 
You are not modeling, I'm going to take on all of your issues forever and ever. You are modeling helpfulness and problem solving. Right now, I put a kind of extra level of trickiness in it and that somebody is walking in the door in five minutes. If somebody weren't, I might spend some more time problem solving and take some more time in between the issue and coming to resolution. But right now, if there's a time constraint, perfectly okay if you step in to help or even do it for the greater good, so to speak. But the goal is you have a boundary, the toys can't be on the floor. Which way are we gonna follow through to make it a win for everybody here without creating emotional distress in the meantime? Okay, well, thank you for explaining that. I think that's very helpful. Um, You had mentioned something um, before that talked about healthy anger. So I'm just curious, what does healthy anger look like in an adult? Ooh, great question. Best thing we can do is express our anger proactively, release our anger proactively. Now, this is really kind of a paradigm shift for many of us. But the thing is, most of us walk around with what I describe as multiple emotional buckets. I've got a bucket of happiness over here. I've got a bucket of sadness over here. I've got a bucket of anger over here. You know, any of the main primary emotions. But every single bucket at all times has something in it. And our goal is, of course, to have our happiness bucket as full as possible, as much of the time as possible. So we want to do things proactively to fill that bucket. That looks like things, you know, like self-care, however you define that, time with friends, downtime, whatever it is. The more full that bucket is, the more resources we have to handle the other buckets that sometimes are trickier. Now, when it comes to the anger bucket, we, of course, want that to be as low as possible. How we release that anger, dump it out proactively, is... Number one, we don't let little annoyances build up. Okay. We've got two methods we can do there. Number one, we can decide, you know what, this thing that's bothering me, maybe it's not that big of a deal after all. This one I'm going to choose to let go. Maybe I'm more upset about the toys on the floor today because I know I didn't get a good night's sleep last night. And once I sleep better tonight, I can tackle this. But this is an issue that I'm not going to turn into a monster-sized problem right now. The other issues are, you know what, this one is worth my time, but rather than collecting these and letting them build up over time to the point where they spill over, we use nonviolent communication strategies where, number one, we talk about our feelings when we have them. We can say things like, you know, I'm feeling really frustrated about the situation with the house right now. I feel like I'm the only one who's doing anything to clean it up. And I realize My kids aren't going to be interested in cleaning. Cleaning is not the love language of childhood, right? But I know that I have a need to ask for help proactively rather than just be annoyed every single day for a week. So I'm not going to hold on to these small annoyances to the point where they pour over. And I can be proactive about doing things that are big, jerky, loud movements. Let's pretend I'm a yeller, for example. I can make sure that I spend a good amount of time every day maybe singing out loud or talking in a loud voice with a friend, something where I can meet my need for expression 
For other people, I, you know, other people like to dance, big jerky movements, something to engage the voice and the body and releasing whatever is stored so that by the time we feel the need to express anger, it doesn't feel like, wow, I have been using my quiet voice for three weeks straight and I have so many little annoyances that suddenly I'm going to be explosive with my child when really nothing ever warrants the explosiveness that sometimes ends up happening in real life. Right. Yes, exactly. Which I know happens a lot to, especially to us mamas and just the little annoyances, right? They just build up. So, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I I was curious. I'm like, what does healthy anger look like? I've never heard that phrase before. So, um, but I like it. I, I, I like your explanation of it. Okay. So let's talk about feelings when it comes to our kids. How do we allow them to show their feelings? And I think it's, you know, I think it's a mixture of all of the feelings, right. That comes in, especially when it's this kind of anger management. So, you know, being upset, frustrated. And I feel like the parenting has just, especially when it comes to intentional parenting for our age, it's so different than what it used to be. And like, I can hear in my head, like all the things I remember family members saying about your feelings. Right. And it's just, it's, it's very different on at least now, um, with how we want our kids to be raised and the things that we're doing from that perspective. So how can we allow them to show it, to kind of break away from that mold that we, that we grew up in? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I have a pretty big section in my book, Peaceful Discipline, devoted to this. So if people want more information, I've got a a long section in there. But one of the biggest paradigm shifts that we can offer, in fact, I use this kind of as a mantra when my own child is having big feelings, no matter what kind of big feeling it may be. One of the things I say, and that I recommend other parents say as well, is this, all of your feelings are safe here. When I say that, it's not only a reminder to my child that indeed all of her feelings actually are safe here, but it's also a reminder to me that I want to make all of my child's feelings safe here. Now, that means that if she is yelling, as long as no one is being harmed physically or emotionally, she can yell. If she is pouting, if she is growling, if she is doing whatever it is, if she is expressing it in a way that does no harm to others, she gets to express her feelings. Same thing with tears or with whatever it may be. When we have a child and we say, you get to feel that, but go feel it in your room or go feel it someplace else because I can't handle that feeling, that actually does send the message to the child, "Mm, all of my feelings really aren't safe here. I am only perceived as being acceptable when I behave a certain way. So when our children are expressing themselves, we really have, in many cases, a lot of internal work to do to say, wow, my child is expressing things that I was never allowed to express. It can be triggering for us as an adult, especially if we weren't allowed to express those big feelings. But the more we can do our belly breaths, do our prayer, do our meditation, whatever it is where we find calm, it is much healthier for our child to be able to express whatever it is they're feeling. Now, where's the line on that? Let's say a child starts getting hurtful verbally 
or let's say they start swinging or they bite or they kick or whatever, it's absolutely okay. In fact, it's appropriate to set limits on harmful behavior. In this case, what I would recommend saying is your anger or your sadness or your whatever makes so much sense to me. Again, you're validating the feeling behind the behavior and rather than, you know, punching your brother or whatever it may be, let's find something you can do with your arms. Let's go outside and let's swipe at the air, you know, find something where you can still get the energy out. I often find that people gravitate towards telling their children calming techniques in the moment, but this often backfires because the brain, the limbic system is in fight or flight. And it's there to protect the child biologically. It's there to tell their bodies to do these things. So when we try to tell the limbic system, hey, you're wrong, you're not supposed to be feeling what you're feeling, too late, the part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex that is able to help them regulate is totally offline. So my recommendation is rather than telling them to totally shift gears and not express what they're expressing, but instead, find a way to express that does no harm to others. And going outside can be a great way to do that. You know, we know scientifically that the minute we step outside, our blood pressure goes down approximately five points immediately. And all we've done is literally step out the front door. We haven't even said another word to our child. But there are lots of things we can do in the moment to ground, to still allow the feelings, and then we just work with them on expression of those feelings. Okay. Well, great. I like that. I think that's going to be a, a good challenge to work with um, in just using these strategies with our little ones. Um, you know, a lot of the listeners, they do have young kids. And so I think this is just such a, a helpful strategy to try um, with these young kids that do have these big feelings, which, you know, like with my five-year-old, it is a daily occurrence with these big feelings. And so it's, you know, tr trying to figure out what works best um, while being mindful of the intentional side, right? Because it's very easy to say, go in another room. I don't want to hear you, which is, you know, I think a lot of us had growing up, right? It was like, I remember that. Um, I'm not saying, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, from all family members, like they just didn't want to hear it. It's, it wasn't something that you were allowed to do. Um, okay. I want to wrap up with um, the other side of anger management, which I think is empathy. And so how do we help our children to show empathy? Mm, I love this question. I love teaching children empathy in ways that feel emotionally safe to them. When you have a child who is triggered, when you have a child who is acting out, they are not in a place where they can learn empathy. They are not in a place where they can take others' perspectives. The part of the brain that can take others', others perspectives doesn't even fully develop until, depending what research you look at, usually about the teen years. So if you're looking at a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old and saying, it's like they don't even know the effects of their, you know, their actions on their siblings or whatever, that's actually true. They can't because that part of their brain physically has not fully developed yet. So what I recommend doing is starting from a very young age, if at all possible, although it's never too late, start with things like books. 
rather than just reading the books, and it can be any book with pictures, any children's book, rather than just reading the words, hey, what a great story, close the book, pause on the pictures and point at facial expressions. Wow, I wonder what that bunny is feeling right now. What do you think Mr. Bear feels when Miss Fox talks to him that way? Help them understand to read body language in ways that feel emotionally safe to them. It's not going to feel as emotionally safe if, let's pretend daddy's upset in the kitchen, and you look at your five-year-old and say, ooh, I think you just made daddy mad. Do you see the look on his face? Well, that's going to feel really emotionally overwhelming to a child. If you start with something like books, you can start with total strangers on the other side of the playground. Huh, I noticed that little boy is crying. What do you think he's feeling? Because for a young child, crying, oh, you mean there's a feeling behind it? It's not just an action? Help give them the emotional literacy and the emotional vocabulary to understand this feeling looks like this outwardly. Some children do struggle with this um, for all sorts of reasons, but the more you practice this in safe ways, the more children can start to internalize it when it's happening in their own lives. I also, another really common pitfall that many of us do as parents is when the child is really upset, we think, oh, I need to label their emotions so they know what they're feeling. That for many kids can feel really intrusive even for me as an adult woman, if I were crying and my husband walked up to me and said, the feeling you have right now is sadness, I would be like, get out of my face. I don't need you to tell me that I'm feeling sad, right? But if I am sad and you know I'm the adult woman and my daughter sees me crying, I can label my own feelings. These tears you're seeing, it's because I'm sad and I miss grandma. You know, tie it to a reason. It doesn't have to be anything super complex. But when we label our own feelings, children are absolutely smart enough to say, ah, that's what that is. So I know when I have the feeling, oh, I bet it's that thing I observed the other day. And the very last place to go is their own feelings because that feels the most vulnerable to them. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I truly appreciate all of your insight. Oh, this, I mean, there's just, there's so much when it comes to raising kids, right? It's just I, the intentional parenting series that we're doing. It's there's so many different topics and there's, I feel like it's just so many ways that I'm screwing up with my kids. And I know that there's other parents that feel in that same situation, but it's just, you know, all we can try and do is be better every day, right? And the things that we're doing and be better for them. So, um, okay. How do people find you? Yeah, well, absolutely. Before I even answer that, I want to offer all the compassion and empathy in the world to you and me and every other person who is listening to this. We are all doing the best we can. In fact, when I told my daughter I was writing Peaceful Discipline, her first question to me was, is it about how to make mistakes? Because you do that so well. <laughs> it's not actually about how to make mistakes, but I want everybody to know that we are all just real here and we all screw it up every single day. And there's always healing. There's always hope. There's always more to learn. So I'm here with compassion and love for everybody. 
And to answer your actual question, how to find me, I am at dandelionseeds.com. There is a hyphen in between dandelion and seeds, so dandelion-seeds.com. I am on all the social media that you can possibly hope for and then some, either under Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting or Dandelion Seeds Positive Living on Instagram because parenting wouldn't fit, go figure. So yeah, you can find me and I would love for people to check out my book when it's released oh so soon now. Okay. Um, and we will link all of your, uh, all the ways to find you in the show notes. So if anybody, um, is, and I highly encourage it because she's got lots of great things, especially on Instagram, just to be able to see that in the feed and just get kind of get reminders throughout the day on, you know, different things that you can do from a parenting perspective. One other thing I wanted to mention is that um, for joining us today, you are offering one free mini course from your website and you have, it looks like more than 40 different topics on your website. So make sure to, if you're listening to this, go check out the show notes and go to our website to um, download that. And we'll have the instructions in the show notes on how to do that. So thank you so much for offering that, Sarah. That is, that is truly kind of you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again for being on the podcast and I appreciate all of your insight and I, and just like all the rest of the parents that are listening to this, you know, we're just, we're going to keep trying, keep trying to do better. Absolutely. And if I can help in any way, I'm a real person and I'm glad to answer as many questions as I can. So thanks for having me. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for joining us for the Planning Parent Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, write a review, and share our podcast. Please check the show notes for resources and all the ways to connect with us, including joining our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, and follow us on Instagram at The Planning Parent. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and got some great solutions and strategies to help you achieve the simplicity and bliss you deserve. And remember, take a deep breath. You do matter. You're doing a great job.